The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. With my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, he snuck in for Fezzik. Mackie. In front of me, Brad Powers. To my left, Stephen Nover. Also, Dave Esler with his underrated, overrated in baseball. A free pick. And a little bit of mm, wise guy insight on the number one difference between betting money lines in baseball and the spread in sports like football. This is going to be a series we're going to do next four or five weeks is what are the main differences handicapping baseball because it is pretty much baseball time. And as we said, we're going to talk some of that, but also get ready for football. We got Brad Powers with his five best college football teams. Five, four, three, two, and then one. Also, under that top five theory, we've got Steven Nover, five best quarterbacks in the NFL this year projected, five worst quarterbacks projected. Little talk about the Patriots, little talk about Josh Allen and the Bills, little talk. Just a little about the Browns, and we're going to have a free best bat week one from Nova. Also, free best bat from Brad Powers when it comes to the Heisman. Odds are out now for next year's Heisman. He's got a best bat, and he has a bonus long shot, a bonus long shot. And we're going to talk a ton about the World Cup. Oh, no, we're not. You think I'm talking the World Cup? I'm joking. No way. You scared us there for a minute. No way. By the way, I'm RJ Bell. But we're going to start like we usually do. If it's not football season, talking LeBron James. We've got the updated odds on LeBron. And also the idea of Kyrie potentially or I guess um, Kawhi. Kawhi. That's right. Kawhi potentially going, Leonard, potentially going to the Lakers and what that means. First so let's start with the odds themselves. Showtime! Woo! Taping on Tuesday afternoon, pregame.com offices here in Las Vegas. And we're, these odds are up at sportsbook.ag. Lakers becoming even a bigger favorite. Minus 300 right now to land LeBron. $3 wins you $1. The Cavs plus 320. Second favor, but obviously a big payout there. Unlikely. And then not a single team better than 10 to 1. I mean, it is Lakers right now. 10 to 1 Rockets. 10 to 1 Sixers. 16 to 1 on the Celtics. 20 to 1 on the Spurs. 30 to 1 Clippers, 30 to 1 Knicks, 40 to 1 Heat. Retire, retire 75 to 1 mm. 
Golden State seventy five to one, Washington seventy five to one. So personally, the idea of the Lakers is my preference because I'm always rooting for the the more the greater excitement, the better action. But I think there's a couple reasons the Lakers make sense. One, LeBron is 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 so savvy when it comes to narrative. He understands that that we talk in stories in this world and storylines and and certainly with social social media we do more than ever and 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 the very uh quickly changing news what would you call it news cycles where 4 or 5 hours later something's boring is what is going to be that lebron narrative because i don't think he wants it to be that oh He's going to jump on an existing really good team, all of the Houston Rockets, and somehow do just uh, a lesser version in theory of what Kevin Durant did because there's no guarantee he's going to win. So imagine he jumps on the Rockets and loses. That's a lot of downside with, quite frankly, not much upside because if he wins a title, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sure it'd be nice, but... Man, that team, in theory, could have won a title with CP3 if he hadn't gotten injured in the Western Conference Finals. 76ers, not as mature of a team, but certainly it would be LeBron as the interloper, LeBron stepping into an existing team. Remember, what he did with Miami was build a team to his liking. When LeBron went back to Cleveland, he built a team to his liking. Wiggins, oh, forget about him. Number one pick on a cheap rookie contract. I want Kevin Love. And and obviously, and we've talked about this trope, LeBron, best player in the NBA, worst GM. But he likes that kind of control. In Houston, not only doesn't he have control, he also, there's not many changes to make. 76ers, not many changes to make. Celtics, not many changes to make. Now, in theory, the Cavs, he can remake the team, his existing team. But I think there's two reasons that's unlikely. One, these contracts are so bad. Uh, the, the They're in, yeah, I made a joke on Twitter that it's like an apartment that you didn't expect to stay at too long and you're not getting your security deposit back. Is I don't think LeBron's getting his security deposit back if you look at those contracts. Number two, I think LeBron has learned if he changes teams, he gets a ton of attention and he likes attention. That's the currency in, in 2018. And I also think if he stays on the Cavs, what's the conversation? The conversation is, can he get six titles? Because what else is there to talk about? He won one in Miami, one in, or two in Miami, one in Cleveland. If he wins a second in Cleveland, great. But hey, he already brought one to Cleveland. Now it's six versus four. So I, I don't see, how does LeBron win? I get, let's just assume LeBron wins one or even two more titles the rest of his career. Now listen, 15 years in, he's won three. So I think saying two is is quite optimistic. 
But let's just be optimistic. He wins two more in Cleveland. Hell of an accomplishment. I'm not even sure how he does it because of how good Golden State is. And let's think about this. If LeBron stays in Cleveland, there's three really good teams in the East. Cleveland, Philadelphia, Boston. If LeBron goes to any team in the West except Houston or Golden State, there's three good teams. That means unless you're the number one seed, you're going to have to likely play three really tough series to win a title. Lakers, let's just say they get the second seed even next year. They're going to have to play likely Houston, then likely Golden State, and then likely Boston. It's a heck of a road. In Cleveland, unless you can get a number one seed, which again, LeBron in the regular season, doesn't, he hasn't done that for a while. He's really play hard in the regular season with a focus on the number one seed. Then it's what? Beat the 76ers, beat Boston, then beat Golden State. That's a tough road. So in a weird way, if he wants this, these two factors are competing. On one hand, I think the Lakers are the one place where it's LeBron's team. He's not coming in as an add-on, a very valuable add-on, but an add-on at the end, but rather it's his team. Now, if it's um, Leonard, if it's Paul George, if it's whomever, it's LeBron's team. But regardless of where he goes, if it's not Philly, Boston, Golden State, or Houston, he's going to make his team the third team in that conference, which is a challenge. But between those two factors... I think he wants to build his own team, which I think points to the Lakers. But then what's the narrative? Does he become the first player in NBA history to win a third title as the best player on a third team? Or another way, it'd be his fourth title. So to win a title with a third team as the key player every time. Never happened. Never, ever. So now, even if he only wins one, let's say he has six, seven good years left. He has the most attention. In, he's getting the same money pretty much everywhere. He'd have the most attention in the world in L.A. He'd get to build his post-basketball career with magic and the goal to be a billionaire. And if he just wins one title, doesn't matter if it's next year, year after, year after, four years from now, he then will be the first. He'll have four He'll be the first guy to win on three teams. He's changing. He's There's a great line in The Wire, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have watched The Wire. Many people believe best show on uh, in the history of television. It's on the game, though, right? And it's the first season, and Lieutenant Daniel's wife says, if they want you to play a game you can't win, play a different game. And right now the game is counting titles against Michael. Change the game. The game is can I win a third? And hey, what I'm I'm taking on a huge challenge. It's you, this team didn't even make the playoffs last year. Yeah, I'll sign a few guys. I got some young guys. It's going to be a haul. If we can do even one, it'll be the it'll be the the, the capstone, the culmination of a great career. Boy, that and I, I kind of buy into that narrative. And then LeBron, it seems like gets everything: a chance to win, a chance for one win to truly cap off his career. 
and obviously the attention from LA. That's my take. So open microphones. Does anyone agree? Does anyone disagree? Thoughts? Strong, strongly agree. Uh, and obviously, if there's two places where you really want to get worldwide attention, it's New York or L.A. I like what you, the point that you made there. You know, it, it's going to be his team and the way he wants to make it. And Paul George is the type of player that he's wanted and expressed interest in playing even in this past year in Cleveland. That's the type of player that's all available on the market the Lakers can get. And let's talk post-career. I mean, he's already got a house. He's already established in the Los Angeles community. Makes a lot of sense. Not surprised that the Lakers now minus 300. I'm in agreement, too. L.A. makes makes all the sense because they have not only the cap room to sign LeBron, they have enough cap room to also sign Paul George. They get LeBron and Paul George. They also have enough young talent to make a trade with the Spurs and get Kawhi Leonard. Now, can you imagine those three guys? All of a sudden, they're the they're the favorites, not not Golden State. Mm, so I don't know about that. Well, I I think if LeBron goes to the Lakers, the dominoes would start to fall. You would see those ramifications. Uh, I think Paul George could very well sign with the Lakers then, and I think they'd be a serious trade partner to to get Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> so let's get the name straight. It's Kawhi, correct? Kawhi, Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. All right. I made the same mistake or similar. One. I just know he's a very good basketball <laughs> player, a top five basketball player. You didn't know anyone named Kawhi growing up, did you? No, I can't say the, I did. The, the nitty professor did not. <laughs> we know that. We know that for sure. When and I since grew up, Fezzik's out this week. He'll be back next week. We'll give Steven uh no, my See, I tell you, I love that soundboard. (laughs) (laughs) See, he's getting hipper and hipper. I don't think. Now, we actually, for ESPN uh, New York radio, Fezzik and I did a little bit of analysis of what would the line be if LeBron signs with the uh, usual suspect teams. So we can uh, actually run through, and I'll give you the odds on each of the teams. Now, keep in mind, obviously, if he signs with the Lakers, there's a range of possibilities. What could happen? Do they get Paul George? Do they get Leonard? (laughs) (laughs) Kawhi Leonard? Do they get whomever? We don't know, right? So right now we're accepting the unknown of that and saying that we actually think LeBron, to either of these or any of these teams really, Hurts Golden State in a way because there's another good team, uh, much better than Cleveland, any of these in theory. So we're putting Golden State at plus 150 in these situations. Now, the better the team he signs with, the worse it is for Golden State. So we actually have the Lakers with just LeBron, no other. Now, again, it's not like we're acting like we don't know they have another max contract. So it's assuming that they do a normal approach to signing other guys. We got Lakers at seven to one, the worst of the bunch. We got the Spurs at five to one. You think Kawhi and LeBron and Aldridge and Pop, it's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. We got the Sixers at plus two twenty, much, much better than the Lakers or the Spurs. And the Rockets at plus 150. So we think Rockets, Golden State, 
would be a toss up. And the more we talked about it, he was leaning more towards gold or I'm sorry, rockets even being a small favorite, uh, you know, like plus plus one thirty versus plus one sixty or something. Personally, I think all this talk about CP3, if he would have been there, how much was he worth? Four points? How many points did Golden State win game six and seven by? By much more than four. So it doesn't mean that's exactly how the game would have went, but I'm still not sure we've seen a team that can really press Golden State with Durant. Um, I haven't really seen. I mean, there's been, it's one thing to play an elimination game. It's another thing to win that game by 30 and then win the other game by double digits. Yep. Um, and win that game by 30 on the road in an elimination game. So, Stephen, which of these do you disagree with? You must think Lakers much better than 7-1. to one. I think the if the Lakers, if they do sign LeBron, you know, if you're going to play maybe the Lakers to get LeBron, you might want to put a peanut on them to win the championship too then. Yeah, but I think that, and, and here's the warning, guys. And remember, bookies are bad. They want your money, and they're not fair about it. And what they do is just imagine just team, hypothetical team X without LeBron. They're thirty to one. With LeBron, they're five to one. They're going to put the odds about eight to one. So you think, oh, okay, if they get LeBron, it's going to get a little bit better. Yeah, but they've got like five teams, seventy or seventy-five percent towards the Le- with LeBron number. And they figure anyone that bets those other four, well, suckers. And then once LeBron signs, they'll move that LeBron team the final 30%. And then they'll move every other team back to the the number without LeBron. So I I think it's hard, Stephen, to speculate on LeBron's landing spot unless you're expecting like an out of left field, you know, maybe he's going to sign with the, you know, Wizards. And maybe you can get some value in the title market. Could I throw a, a long shot out at you guys just out of left field and see what you think? We're talking that L.A. would be a perfect landing spot for LeBron. What about the Clippers? You know, that's still L.A. Boy, I mean, it's like, do you, you're a girl, you're you're new in L.A., you're off the bus, homecoming queen, <laughs> let's say in what was the town you grew up in, Brad? Millberry. Millberry. You're the homecoming <laughs> queen from Millberry. <laughs> she moved to a small town where the rule of law still exists. You will not survive here. You're not a wolf. And this is the land of wolves now. <laughs> but in Millberry, you'd be fine. Yeah. So she shows up, and then the question is, you can date Mark Wahlberg or Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> Clippers or Lakers. <laughs> Vincent Chase or Johnny Drama. <laughs> right? I mean, I, and again, I don't, I mean, what is LeBron's relationship with Doc Rivers? Uh, the Clippers, you know, they're middle of the road. They've got a very good center. Uh, it's uh you know, I again totally out of left field. Just we've, you're making a hell of a case. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've seen that maturity is a priority for LeBron throughout his career. With the Wiggins issue that you just brought up, RJ, and if the choice is between the Lakers, where you have a young head coach and an uncertain roster that is right now filled with young players, 
versus Jerry West, Doc Rivers, and a little bit more maturity on that roster, he would still accomplish the same thing by winning the title with the third team if we think that that's his primary objective. I, I mean, it sounds like you guys are like trying to fool someone and you're going to say, like, uh, you're punked. I mean, like, you can't be serious. <laughs> maturity, you mean mediocrity. I mean, who's on the Clippers that can even play? DeAndre Jordan's two years oh. out from being an all-pro. No, no. I mean, so it's, you... it's 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 Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron, and Ingram versus a guy that 24 months ago was an all-pro. Well, I think the— One. <laughs> well, I think we're assuming a lot about the Lakers, right? I mean, how different is the landscape going to be with these teams by the time LeBron— Finally makes a choice. It would just I get better. It, it, that, if that's the key, then it's whatever LeBron wants. He's going to walk in and he's going to talk to tell the Lakers, I'm serious. I want you to sign Paul George and I want you to trade for Kawhi. Or, and this is my preference, I want you to, or my, my preference would be sign Paul George. To me, he is 10%, 7%, very close to Kawhi. And I personally think Kawhi has huge, huge question marks. We talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas, Fox National Radio, Friday night, 11 o'clock Pacific, Saturday, 10 o'clock Pacific, two hours across the country, Series 83. We talked about we've never seen a player who's the best player on his team or a key player on his team, not be on the sidelines during a playoff series, playoff games. So we're talking about a historic disagreement with the team. Now there's two possibilities and it could be a blend. Kawhi and his uncle and his, his crew are because they become irrational and become difficult to deal with. Scenario A. Scenario B is the Spurs have become difficult to deal with. Or C is some combination blending of both. Well, do we have any history of the Spurs being difficult to deal with? No, none. So I have to bet it's Kawhi. So now if you put Kawhi and his crew on with a question mark, I don't know if that question mark is worth 5% of his skill or 10% or 15. I mean, I think with the biggest question marks in sports, it can be worth up to 20, 25%, you know, TO or whatever back in the day, how much of a, a discount did you put on him because of his attitude? And Kawhi to me was one of the number one team guys in the league. You know, I, I had seen in the NBA, top five. So something's changed because it's hard to imagine it's all the Spurs right now. True. Uh, very disgruntled with the, the Spurs organization. I've never heard of someone basically missing the entire year with a quad injury. And then not even being on the side. Maybe, again, who knows what kind of injury it was. I think you're right, Stephen, but mm-hmm. let's give him the benefit of the doubt there. But you're not even there for your team. Yeah, yeah there, there's a disconnect. There's a problem. And so the question becomes, yeah, maybe it's like a, a, a it's like a stripper girlfriend. Right? I have a little advice for you here <laughs> is, I mean, yeah, you get them in the exact right situation for a while, they're going to act fairly normal. 
And then... Women weaken legs. The trouble starts. You got it? Yeah, I got it. All right, it's important you learn this stuff. Thank you, RJ. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. I mean, you got to learn. Yes. You got to learn. And but is it year two? Is it year three? We know LeBron's a prima donna. I mean, if anyone deserves to be, he does. How's that work? And then you got Lonzo or, or the the balls there. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like a, a good reality show, yeah, right? So to me, what do you have to give up for Kawhi? The theory is are talking Ingram, another you know, um, uh, Kuzman. And their number one pick this year, you so you get Kawhi with his question marks, and the cost is a max contract plus Ingram, one of the what top ten young players in the NBA. Yep. And Kuzman, uh, uh, Kuzma. Kuzma. huh? Kuzma, 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 whatever is a quality. You know, he's a, a, a is he the fifth starter on a championship team, perhaps? Or worst case, a six a six guy on a championship team. Well, he's a good all around player with upside, and he's got a good contract. Yeah, a great so that's contract. Tangible to him. So mm-hmm. you you're trading, you know, a potential fifth or sixth guy, a top ten young player, and another draft choice, and you're paying a max contract for Leonard and his big question mark, or you get Paul George just for the max contract. You've sold me. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'd much rather. LeBron, Paul George, and you pretty much get your pick of your young guys you want to keep. You can keep them all and not sign. You know, to me, that third max guy is a problem because then you're going to be so thin otherwise. And we've seen that be an issue even with Golden State this year. Thinness affecting them, particularly in the regular season. I agree. So, I mean, are you, if you're a Laker fan, if you have a Laker ticket in your pocket, Stephen, would you rather them sign Kawhi as a third max contract with Paul George in for all they had to give up? Or would you rather them have Paul George, LeBron, and all their young guys? I'd rather have Kawhi. I think he uh, would get straightened out with the Lakers. He needs a change of scenery. And, and you mentioned... So, so the, one of the best institutional uh, bedrock teams, the Spurs, going to the Lakers in L.A., with all the distractions, all the paparazzi and attention, that's what's going to make him start acting right. Well, this guy hasn't had a history of acting bad. It's just been this year. And I know. Something's changed. Well, that would have to be ascertained. They would have to. How do you, you know, do that? How to properly vet him and all that. But I just think it, it, it could be at least an, uh, superficially maybe just a, scene, a change of scenery. I mean, he's a, he's a top five player. I agree. Pretty but awesome. I mean, where's, where's Paul George on that list, though? 12? Uh, I would rank him a little lower, but but top 20, top... Oh, he's better than 18. I had him on my rotisserie team. I was very disappointed in him, I'll tell you. Yeah, this, but this stats... That, those those rotisserie teams are part of the problem, right? It's not all about the stat, the counting stats. Well, it's, it's not? No, not. I, no RJ, there, there's some other young talent, too. You know, uh, you mentioned Lonzo Ball. There's also Julius Randle, Josh Hart. And so they're so loaded with young talent that... Uh, if they gave up Ingram and, and Kuzma, they they would still have the young talent. That's why I, in part, would go for uh, for Leonard. I, I think they'd have a shot of winning the whole thing with those three, the big three. The question is, does anyone but Ingram on that team 
can they be a top? I think Ingram could be a top 10 player in the NBA at some point. I don't think anyone else in the Lakers can get there. So I'd rather keep one cheap guy and that has the potential to be your third, right? A homegrown third. You asked this question on straight out of Vegas and I gave a horrible answer. I think if it's just one year, this year, I, I agree with you, Steven, and I agree with Fezzik. I'll take Kawhi for this year. If you're adding another year, two, three years, I do not take Kawhi. I, I actually agree with RJ. I think maybe one year he could be fine, but year two, year three, that's when it became an issue in Miami with LeBron. became an issue with Kyrie with LeBron. LeBron wears on you, it would yes. seem. One year, Kawhi. Multiple years, I, I don't take it. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. We've got Brad Power, Steven Dover, and Mackie, and we're moving on. Let's see what's next. So we talked NBA. Let's go some college football. And let's go top five. Let's make it exciting right off the go. All right, Brad. So you did 10-9876. Read that for us real quick. That's on last week's podcast. Yeah, 10 would be Michigan. Number nine, Penn State. Eight, Wisconsin. Seven, Auburn. Six, Oklahoma. Okay, quick question on Oklahoma. Their quarterback, baseball prospect. It seems like there's been some news, some some evolution of that story. Yeah, Kyler Murray is going to be replacing the number one overall pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield. And Kyler Murray, very talented prospect. Came out of high school, a five-star player, top high school prospect in the country. But Kyler Murray is also a two-sport star, also plays baseball. And at least the expectation was Kyler Murray's going to get drafted. Coming into this se- this baseball season, at some point he's going to get drafted in the baseball draft. Well, Kyler Murray had an outstanding year this spring in baseball. And not only did Kyler Murray get in, uh, drafted in the first round, got drafted in the top 10, and he's looking at a 4 or $5 million contract. And specifically in the contract this year, they're going to allow him to play just one more year of football. So this is it for Kyler Murray. His only year as a starting quarterback for Oklahoma is going to be this year, and then he's full bore going to you know move on to his baseball career. And to me, that makes Oklahoma a little bit of a high-variance team. Oklahoma, in my opinion, clearly the Big 12 favorite, going to be favored by at least six points in every game this year. So I expect a very motivated Kyler Murray. This is his last year of playing a sport he loves. But if Oklahoma disappoints, and i got to give credit to RJ here, if Oklahoma loses a game or two and that they suffer that dream crusher, if I'm Kyler Murray, I can't attain my football goals at that point. Maybe I start focusing on what's next in store for me in life, and that's my baseball career. And I do think this is an interesting concept, the idea of handicapping late season games now because you've got the game of the year bets in both college and then CG Technology has all the NFL games except Week 17 up, some of that handicap is who's going to be quarterbacking. So in theory, if you're leaning against Oklahoma in a late game, I think it's a free roll if you think even if Oklahoma's motivated and playing max, if you think the bet's decent at that point, mm, yum, yum, because I think there's a decent chance that – that team won't be the Oklahoma won't be motivated come late in the year, and that's the number you get now would be even better. And that's a great point. And we've already seen that in the game near markets. Uh, Oklahoma's later games they've been bet against all three of them. Kansas State's moved against them a couple of points. The Texas games moved against Oklahoma five points, and then the latest game available 
West Virginia has moved against Oklahoma three and a half points. And if you're thinking, oh, the betters are just fading Oklahoma this year. Well, week one, the betters were on Oklahoma. That one got against Florida Atlantic, a very popular team with Lane Kiffin. Uh, Oklahoma got bet up four points in their favor in that game. So the betters are already taking that position, RJ. Really interesting. Yeah, you're interesting. on top of this. Maybe, I love it. Maybe. Maybe. Now and again. Now and again. All right, so we got 10 through 6. Let's go number 5. 5 Washington, team out of the Pac-12, the most experienced of these five teams I'm going to be talking about today. 17 returning starters. Quarterback Jake Browning, fourth-year starting quarterback for them. Miles Gaskin, their running back. 50 yards away, you're going to know this name, RJ, from breaking the all-time rushing record for Washington. I think he was playing back when you were in college. Napoleon Kaufman. Does that name ring a bell or no? Yeah, but, Navy? No, Napoleon Kaufman, Washington. Napoleon McCallum. Oh, okay. Navy. okay. I like that. That's even more old school. <laughs> wow, love that. So you surprised me even more, RJ. But specifically with Washington. Next Tony time. Dorsett? Yeah. Dorsett? <laughs> he changed it. Exactly. Yes. Washington, you got a, a top five team. You know who was good? O.J. Simpson. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that dude for USC. You remember yeah. him, Steven. I saw him yeah. play. He was awesome. Oh, he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're a I, big, big O.J. fan? Uh, I used to be. <laughs> you know, talking about Napoleons, I go, you know, I, I go far back to Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> So th- I heard you actually had a big political bat with the French Revolution. Yeah. I, I, I took the coalition, and I liked Wellington. You know, he was my ace in the hole. <laughs> Look at it. Oh, the, wow. the, the, the nitty professor yes. showing a little history. Love it. Go ahead, Brian. Speaking well, of, I got to just interject yeah. one last thing. It has nothing to do with anything, but my favorite historical figure of all time, Marshal Ney. Marshall. One, of, one of the grand marshals for Napoleon. Okay, you can continue. I, well, I, why I, is that, though? Oh, he was... Uh, the bravest of the brave. Really? Yeah, he was just awesome at Waterloo with his <laughs> with his frontal charges with the horses, but he couldn't break Wellington's defense. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, you can go on. Did he make it out of Waterloo? He made it out of there alive for that battle. And then what? He ended up with a firing squad. <laughs> Napoleon <laughs> that, took him down? No, he stayed loyal to Napoleon. That was his problem. Mm. All reasons why he's my favorite uh, historical person. No, for any of the ladies... <laughs> <laughs> mature, let's call mature ladies out there listening. If you're interested in a night like this with Steven, just go to pregame.com forums, <laughs> jump in, say you're looking for a date, and we'll go from there. I'm available, I'm available too for historical podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> go, Brad. Let's talk about Washington's head coach. Historical <laughs> figures. How about one of the winningest historical coaches in the last 10, 15 years, Chris Peterson? Here's a Washington team that's got also one of the best secondaries in the country. A Washington team that's going to be favored in 11 of their 12 games this year. Washington comes in at number five for me. So Washington is favored over Oklahoma right now, game one on a neutral. Mm, it's close. I, and on the pregame.com forums, where I post one through one thirty, I go to the hundredth of a point. As we know, and Washington about a half point higher than Oklahoma at this point. And I think a lot of it, and that's right now. Kyler Murray doesn't have a lot of experience. I got a four year starting quarterback. So who's team four? Georgia. So I'm confused. Auburn's playing Washington mm-hmm. week one. It's in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We're speculating a point and a half of home field. Yep. What's the line? Auburn's favored by three. Hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, mm. <laughs> that's up there. If you want my week one best bets, <laughs> mm. might be one of them. <laughs> All right, so this this is interesting because it shows you you're not trying to represent the market. You're trying to represent what you believe the truth is. And when you find these differences, that's where you find value. Absolutely. Now, it's not just a power rating mathematics because there's that, which is a factor for sure. But then there's the situational stuff. But right now, it's fair to say you've got Auburn a little bit lower than the market and you've got Washington a little bit higher. Absolutely. I think Washington, as far as the market, probably seven or eight. Auburn's five. I kind of have them flip-flopped. I love it. Game uh, team four. Georgia, uh, a team that uh, if you're thinking that Georgia's a one-year wonder with Kirby Smart, uh-uh, not the case. 12 returning starters, not as good as last year's team. This is a team that I'm going to downgrade at least at the start of the season, three, four points from last year. Lost a ton of production on the defensive side of the ball. And speaking of production, lost two of their all-time leading rushers in Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Now, with Georgia, here's a team that has got a very favorable schedule. This is a, you're going to hear me talk about teams being favored in all 12 of their games. Georgia will be favored in all 12 of their games this year. All 12 probably by at least four points or more. So Georgia that's been, you know, has actually out-recruited Alabama in the last two years. A lot of talent still left there in Athens. Georgia, number four. Three. Three, the Buckeyes. RJ. And I think one of the bigger stories is going to be, hey, Ohio State lost their all-time leading passer in JT Barrett. And I'll say maybe not at the start of the season when it's all said and done this year. Ohio State might have upgraded at quarterback. Not necessarily as far as experience, but if you want to win a national title, the last time I checked, when JT Barrett wasn't quarterbacking Ohio State last game, Ohio State won the national title. So uh, you look at Dwayne Haskins, their starting quarterback, at least uh, that's what the expectation is going to be. I think he's got a higher ceiling as far as throwing it down the field. I got a great one-two punch in running back, J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. I have the best coaching staff. If you're counting offense corner, defense corner, head coach, best coaching staff in the country, Ohio State, not Alabama. Buckeyes favored in all 12 games. They're number three. Okay, so quarterback for the Buckeyes decided this week. Um, tell us a little bit about that decision, and we'll tease ahead because the quarterback is part of the Heisman Trophy odds. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins got announced on Saturday by Urban Meyer. He's going to be the starter heading into fall camp. No big surprise if you were reading the tea leaves. Joe Burrow, who was in competition with Dwayne Haskins, transferred out to LSU, and the other quarterback in the battles, Tate Martell, he had no shot as far as being the starter. So Dwayne Haskins now officially announces the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes. And you're going to have a best bet. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Heisman in a little bit, it's Brad Powers. I'm RJ. Pregame.com. I love that. Pregame.com. All right. We got Buckeyes at three. Number two. Clemson is number two. And I got to be honest, with 15 returning starters, easily the best defensive line in the country, all four of Clemson starters could go in the first two rounds of the NFL draft and likely three of them in the first round. That's how talented they are up front. If Clemson had, if you could guarantee me Clemson has above average quarterback play, I think Clemson is the best team in the country as far as player personnel. Not not Alabama, Clemson, at least heading into the season. Problem is quarterback. Is it going to be Kelly Bryant? Is it going to be Trevor Lawrence? Big question mark there for the Tigers. But mainly, you look at them, another team that's going to be favored, Clemson, by at least a touchdown in all 12 games. And here's an important note here. Last eight years, Clemson has finished higher in the postseason. Their postseason ranking has been higher than their preseason ranking. 
for eight straight years. And I fully expect Clemson is going to start the season number two. Therefore, if they make that nine straight, the only way to do that is to finish number one. Ooh, ooh, eight straight. Why, wow, that's impressive. Very much so. Very impressive. Um, is this a situation where we watch Clemson very closely every snap, and at the point where we see that a quarterback has emerged and he's competent, that we look to potentially play a future bet for Clemson? Yeah. Meaning that one decision, not even decision, but that one piece of information does Clemson have a superior or let's say even an above average quarterback if the answer is yes let's say the answer is yes if their quarterback if god came down and told you their quarterback's going to play the 15th best quarterback in college football are they the best team in the country yep they are so this is about and again you could be surprised but since they're so deep and there's so many other players it's going to be hard to imagine their non-quarterbacks aren't going to be top, you know, top couple, and if not best in the country. Thus, it seems like this team, when it comes to are they going to, uh, are they a favorite or the favorite to win a title, Clemson comes down to how good the quarterback is. No question about it. And I will have a little sneaky 5-1, to 6-1 to one Clemson winning the national title in pocket. If I get, I'm not going to wait until, you know, week three or four. If I get confirmation reading the tea leaves in August camp, I will have a significant bet on Clemson to win the title. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Who could be one? <laughs> Let's see. Alabama with the best coach in the history of college football, in my opinion, and Nick Saban, 10 returning starters. The other 12 guys that started for Alabama, where are they this year? They got selected in the NFL draft, a record for Crimson, for the Crimson Tide. So a little bit more depth shy than what they usually are with a record number of players going to the NFL draft. The major story out of Alabama this year, the quarterback controversy between Jalen Hurts and what I think is going to be the expected starter, Tua Tunga Viola, who led the national title comeback for them. They'll be better with Tua as far as throwing the football down the field, and that's what Alabama needs. But I have a couple of concerns with Alabama, even though this is the team that's been favored in 111 of their last 112 games. But here's a couple. If you're thinking the chinks a little bit in Alabama's uh, armor, how about this? Recruiting rankings. Alabama coming into this year. Seven straight number one recruiting classes. This year, though, number six. So not a, Only did they not have a number one, didn't have a top five class. What do I attribute to? A lot of coaching turnover. But how, mu- how much does that have to do with this year? I think, well, I think a lot of it's staff turnover. Uh, you know, Nick Saban's getting up there in age, and you got to be uh, when you're on the recruiting trail. You need a lot of young, hungry assistant coaches. And right now, since 2015, he's going to be going on seven different offensive and defensive coordinators entering this season. That's a lot of staff turnover. I certainly can't fault you, Brad, for putting Alabama number one. And I understand that they just uh, reload instead of rebuild. But how do you address this all new secondary? Uh, new kicker, new punter, and and they lost uh, their nose guard, this Deron Payne, who I think was was very underrated, and uh, he's going to be tough to replace. It, it just, hold, on, hold on, you're saying a D lineman for Alabama is going to be tough to replace? Well, this is the nose tackle, and they funneled everything. You know, he would take up the double teams. No, I'm not saying it. he wasn't good, but you know, I bet that the fourth guy behind him is is probably eighty five percent as good. It could be. That's why I wanted to ask Brad and just pick his brain on these things because these are, are really tough losses. And and you know, you're saying Alabama is number one. 
Well, I mean, it is. I mean, they lost 12 guys to the NFL draft. But like I just said, I mean, at least prior to this season, I mean, they've had the number one recruiting class every single season. So when it comes to player personnel, I'm not as concerned. I'm just a little more concerned as far as the coaching turnover. You mentioned kicker. That's not a concern for me. I mean, their kicker was the reason that game went to overtime in the national title game was poor kicker. Now they lost a four-year starting punter. The punter was really good. The Packers actually drafted him. It is, but him. I mean, what's the value of a punter? I mean, even if he's the best punter in, yeah. in the country, Especially what, for a Alabama. quarter of a point? <laughs> yeah. Still, the, the fact of the matter is Alabama has a, believe it or not, an advantageous schedule, even though they're playing in the SEC. I'll be stunned if Alabama isn't at least, at least a seven or eight point favorite in every single game this year. So you do the power ratings. Brad Powers does one through one thirty every week. You have datum, pregame.com forms, but you have a system that goes a hundred being the best team typically, um, or or near a hundred is like the platonic ideal a hundred is. But sometimes you have teams that over the last five or so years it's gone like one oh one or something. So it allows us to get a little bit of perspective on this Alabama team versus last year versus year before. How's Alabama? Like if you look at the last three years, this year being one of them, last year and the year before, three. How good's this Alabama team versus last year and the year before? About a couple points behind the last behind. two years. Behind. So 97 on that scale of, you know, 1 to 100 right now for Alabama, which is about a couple points behind where they've been the last couple of years. I probably have a different opinion on the coaching. I think the thing you see with Saban, and he is a genius at college football coaching, if something is a weakness for him, he'll figure it out and then beat the system. And there was an article, I think Bleacher Report did it, but I'm not sure, about how... Alabama has an inordinate number of analysts now. And what's happening is you got these coaches like the Tennessee coach that gets fired, but they're still getting paid on the contract. And the deal is there's like an offset. If you take another job for half as much, they pay you the first half, we pay you the next half. So what happens? There's a limit NCAA regulated on number of coaches But this Jones doesn't want to go recruiting, right? So what happens? They pay him 100K, something, maybe less. He's still making the same money. They just pay just enough that Tennessee won't sue him or whatever. And this guy's sitting there and all he's doing is breaking down film. All he's doing is all the things typically a quality control 24-year-old might be doing. But now you got the Tennessee head coach doing it. I'm sure spending time recruiting or – Scout in Tennessee, I can promise you, every player on that team. And that guy, you know, if you uh, rush him to the left three straight times, he has trouble with the stunt or whatever, right? He Who knows better than the Tennessee head coach? Yep. And I also think these guys understand, one, they're going to learn football from Saban. The one's humble enough to understand you can be the 20th best coach in the world. And you're going to learn something from Saban. But number two is... It's a feeder system to be the next coordinator, right? So the as we look at these recent coordinators, um, one of them was an analyst, right? And then, uh, refresh my memory, yeah, was it Sarkeesian? Sarkeesian yeah. went from analyst to coordinator for one game. Yep. Okay. So you figure you're learning some football. You're with Alabama. And 
you're, it's almost a dress rehearsal to step up. My sense is with this system, the idea that, that their own success is what the problem, the reason they're losing coordinators is everyone wants to hire these guys. Yep. So why not create a feeder system where you've got, and again, I don't know how good of a coach Jones is, right? But my guess is if you were the head coach of Tennessee, you're probably not going to be too deficient if he slides in as a coordinator. I agree. Excellent right. point. So I my my sense is this was a problem it was starting to be a problem and it feels like he solved it. Uh, I mean, know, is coaching the problem right well, now? I mean, it's with, tough with, to, with, with, how many of these guy analysts do they have? Like, I mean, they got, he's something? been so far ahead of it. Yeah, the the problem is the rest of college football is starting to catch up. There, well, there was a year, a several year period, RJ, where he was the only guy doing it. He was the only coach that had five, six of these analysts. Now everyone, or at least the big budget programs like Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC, now everyone has But if you stack up the pedigree of these analysts, it seems like Alabama's far ahead right now. They're still ahead, but I not Ohio State, I think, still Well, okay, Ohio State That's it, is, is, right. is able to pay their OC more than Belichick was going to pay them. Right? DC, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Shiano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there, and, and then you got Michigan taking what the the co OC that's the line coach now or whatever, yep. right? So, yeah, these guys are on a different level, but it's hard to say either Ohio State or Alabama is going to be deficient in coaching. Yes, I am nitpicking, I but, am, but but I also think you might be right because that these analysts aren't necessarily going to recruit as well. But here's what I've learned about these, and you know these recruiting agencies a lot better than I do. Here's what I learned: they might have a guy that's no stars or whatever, a real small. The minute Texas, and again, maybe this is a little anachronistic because Texas isn't the way Texas used to be, but the minute that Florida State offers them or Ohio State offers them, they become a four-star instantly. Yeah, they go from a two-star, three-star to four-star. So if if it becomes the, the fact that Nick Saban wants that, I mean, let me ask you, I'm sure you knew the top 10, 15 guys. Were there numerous guys Alabama was going after that they didn't get, or did they get who they wanted? <sighs> Because if they get who they wanted, I don't care what the F rivals has to say. Now, if they're getting, if Alabama's getting beat, Georgia beat them on quite a few this this year. And but but you're not going to get you're not going to get every guy. Yes. But if you look at the number of guys that Alabama was recruiting hard, how many did they get? What percentage versus last year, year before, year before? I'm not saying you've got that answer. To me, that's the question, though, because if the percentage is about the same, means I trust Saban more. I trust rivals. Great point. But if somehow, some way, they weren't getting their guys this year, now that's a different conversation. You have a even a half an answer to that. Yeah, I would say it, it was down ten or fifteen percent this year than prior years. But again, we're talking the freshman class. If it was a two year recruiting thing, then then I would be more concerned. Yeah. So. That's interesting because it, it we do always have a sense of like there's some ranking that's going to tell us, but it's back to the idea. I trust if Nick Saban says I want this guy and Rival says, oh, no, Georgia was better off getting that guy. Who do you trust? Fair enough. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell talking to college football specialist Brad Powers. I read nine newspapers a day. You can tell. Okay, we ready to go to Heisman odds? Absolutely. Let's break it. First, I want you to, I want you to read me. The favorites. 
Bryce Love, running back, Stanford. Last year, 100 to 1 preseason. This year, the favorite, 5 to 1. Bryce Love, running back, Stanford. So, just to be sh- sure now, you actually had Bryce Love at 100 to 1. Is that saying 100 to 1 to make sure I remind the yeah. listeners? Yeah, and if they need another friendly reminder, I was on Colin's <laughs> podcast doing that. Thank you, RJ, for getting me on that podcast. <laughs> Number two, Jonathan Taylor. Who? That's actually the running back from Wisconsin is the number two favorite right now at seven to one fresh off a season where he broke the FBS record with nearly 2000 rushing yards gets all five starters back in the offensive line. I can see why he's up there. Jonathan Taylor running back Wisconsin seven to one Alabama quarterback Tua Tunga Vailoa hasn't been announced as a starter 10 to one. And then Jake Fromm, quarterback Georgia, 12 to one Khalil Tate quarterback, Arizona 14 to one. Those are your five favorites. And remember, guys, Brad is on this stuff. So his Twitter is a great place to, or a great follow because when things break in college football, he is going to have it as quickly as pretty much anyone at Brad Powers 7. B-R-A-D-P-O-W-E-R-S, the number 7. Now we've got a best bet and a long shot special coming up. That you're betting both of these, right? Absolutely. For the Heisman. Whoa, make me rich! Make me rich! Wherever you can drop that So we're going to take Dwayne Haskins, who we mentioned earlier, was just announced as starting quarterback for Ohio State. He's currently 25-1, to but let me break it down. I kind of have a formula for who I'm going to bet in the Heisman. You look at the last 18 years. So this century, last 18 years, since 2000, 15 of the last 18 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks. I just read you off the favorites. The top two favorites are running backs. To me, that's given a little bit more value on the quarterbacks this year. Also, if you look at the average wins for those 18 winners of the Heisman, in the regular season, the teams they play on won an average of 11 games per season. So I need a quarterback for a national title contending team. I got that here in Haskins for Ohio State. And you you look at... You know, is this the one time where I want to bet on a Heisman favorite? Usually I want to bet on the favorites even in futures markets. No, this is the one area where you can bet on a long shot. Six of the last nine Heisman winners weren't in the preseason top eight. That's Dwayne Haskins, who's not even in the preseason top 10 as far as the shortest odds. Haskins got some experience last year in a big pressure pack situation. Second half, down on the road against Michigan, leads the comeback, completed over 70% of his passes. And again, I'll mention this, or I mentioned it earlier, I'll mention it again. Ohio State's problem the last three years with JT Barrett, vertical passing game, throwing it down the field. Last time JT Barrett wasn't the starter, Ohio State won the title. I think they got a great shot at winning the title, even without JT Barrett. Dwayne Haskins, 25-1. to Best bet, Brad Powers. I think the concept of the new cycles, the way that you can become famous in six hours in this world today makes the long shots on the Heisman have a better chance. Back in the day, it was who's on the cover of the magazines. You might have seen him play twice on television when Stephen was rooting on O.J. Simpson and such. But now you can watch every game. And, uh, you know, the, the famous example is that Hill from A&M was uh, Johnny Football's follow-up quarterback wasn't on any Heisman odds, had a good opening game, was like the second favorite the next day. Yeah, and that's a great point. 20 years ago, the Heisman was more of a career award. Now it's like a first seven, eight games. Who can get hot and get momentum at the start of the season? You, I'm sorry. Archie. No, go ahead. Uh, Brad, I'd like to ask you about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, 
the last 20 years, the Badgers have had a lot of great running backs. Ron Dane, who did win the Heisman, uh, Corey Clement, uh, James White, Anthony Davis, more recently, Melvin Gordon, Monte Ball. Where does Taylor, in your opinion, fit in? Is he better than all those guys? Uh, great question. He's a, he's probably, yeah, if I was stack ranking him, he's probably two or three at this point. I mean, a lot of those guys had three, four years. And I got one year sample size, but he's got the potential. And I like at least this season when he's got, he's running behind the best offensive line in college football. You got a long shot for us. Yeah. Let, let's go with the same formula. Uh, quarterback, name brand team, Sam Ellinger, quarterback, Texas, a hundred to one. Now, is Texas going to be a national title contender? I actually say yes to that. I think they could be a surprise national title contender. I've been, I have multiple max bet tickets on Texas in individual games this year. And Sam Ellinger is one of those major reasons why. Here's a guy that is a true freshman last year, led Texas in rushing despite being banged up a few games. I expect him to be named the starter. And if I got a Texas team, name brand team, winning nine, 10 games, then of course, I think Sam Ellinger would be a major reason why they win nine or 10 games this year. If that's the case, then I could see him getting an invite to New York. Boy, that, that Brad Powers, that dude knows his stuff. Good job, buddy. Thank you. One and only commercial break. Dollar Shave Club. Let me tell you something, guys. Here's the thing about Dollar Shave Club. If you want to be rich... Now, once you're rich, you can do whatever you want. So if you've got, let's say, more than $10 million out there, <clears throat> feel free to ignore me. Everybody else, listen up. Steven, you got $10 million? I have $10. All right. So listen up. <laughs> you show up, you got the beard going. Mm-mm. Especially, let's be candid. If you got, like, Mackie. Mackie has a, a, a sculpted jawline. You can, listen, you want to have a couple days growth. It's fine, right? But if you don't have a sculpted jawline, ooh, you look like those poker players. You ever <laughs> see those guys? Got the big double chins, and then they got the, like, every eighth hair is gray. It's not a good look. Those are the kind of people who are like, uh, you've never had the gout? <laughs> nice. That's the kind. Usually at those poker tables, there's a lot of conversation about the gout. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing, though. It's the chicken and the egg. You might say, yeah, but to really be able to shave and do it like a rich guy, I've got to be rich. No, no, you don't. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club products for just $5. You've got 10, so you could do this no problem, Steven. I don't have gout, though. Don't you have well, to be rich to have gout? No, not in Vegas with the buffets and such. Henry VIII. Just think gout. about just think about how much shrimp you can eat. <laughs> guy runs sales at pregame. Tom, Tom's dad, great guy. Gib. One time, Gib was hillbilly as they come. Like I don't think he ever left like ten miles from where we grew up. But a really smart guy, like natively smart. He comes out to Vegas like fifteen years ago, and I think we were at the Fiesta down there past Sunset Station at the buffet. It's like, you know, eight ninety nine or whatever. They've got this gigantic, you know, like, uh, I don't know, 30 pounds of shrimp sitting right in the middle on ice. He looks and goes, I've never seen that much shrimp in my entire life. <laughs> so think about it. Shrimp is a, a good ex uh, food to give you gout, for example. You can eat all the shrimp you want for eight ninety nine, Stephen. Now, you couldn't eat all that shrimp with your 10 bucks and also do the Dollar Shave Club. So don't, don't. 
Because for just five bucks, you can get their daily essentials starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, their world famous shave butter, and their best razor, the six blade executive. Keep the blades coming for just a few more bucks a month. Add in shampoo, toothpaste, and anything you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at shave or check that. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. So this isn't a, a promo code. This is your URL. Type it in dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash dream, D-R-E-A-M. And listen, this could be about money. It can be about love, romance, lust. How much is a lap dance, Brad? 20 bucks. $20. So literally, if you get all this stuff to get maxed out, ready to go to max your chance at love, you can do it for one fourth as much as one lap dance. Yeah. And let me, and let me tell you something. This, you might not want to hear this. The strippers don't love you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. Oh, last one here. Our old friend, True Car. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob on your chin to increase its range. Wow. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip for you. You might not know. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. Steven, you're in the market for a car, aren't you? I'm writing this down. True, True car. car. That's it. They've got a certified dealer network and a nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid. So they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Remember, guys, is part of any transaction is buyer's remorse. If you know you get a good deal, it, that's worth money. And if I could pay X amount and not be sure if I paid the right amount or paid the same X and be sure, that peace of mind is valuable. Some features not available in all states, but if it's available in yours, Take advantage. But remember, guys, we do have the tracking code with the Dollar Shave Club. So if you're inclined and you like the dream preview, it helps us if you give it a try. And obviously for five bucks, it's kind of fun to, I enjoy getting the samples because you never know, oh, this is something that can add to my life. And I never even knew it existed. How are those one white Charlies? What's wrong with your mic? Keep the, like talk up. Yeah, one white Charlie. Yeah, you got to talk up, dude. You're like, I'm sorry. Try it again. We're, what, gonna, we're not what? editing. Got yeah, it. one white Charlie's. How are those samples? They're great. You've tried those? So I did the promo box. I went with the $5 now promo listen, box. Listen, look at Mackie, wow. this guy. I mean, he doesn't miss a trick. You might think how nice he is, or you might also think, I'm the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> but go ahead. One white Charlie's. Excellent. Wasn't expect, didn't know what to expect out of those. Excellent. Did it, did it give you a little tangle? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Imagine you're getting, you might potentially get laid, Stephen, and, and you're getting a tingle in your bum. I mean, 
I can't. I could. We could do A B testing <laughs> on this copy for the rest of our lives and not get better than that. So let's go. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Tons of action down the home stretch here. We've got... Top five quarterbacks, bottom five quarterbacks, a week one best bat from Nova, and a little bit of baseball. Wow. A lot of action. A lot of action. All right, Stephen, read. Why don't you read me five to one your five best quarterbacks? Okay. Number five, Matthew Stafford. These are best quarterbacks. Number four, Russell Wilson. Number three, Tom Brady. Number two, Drew Brees. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> You've got Stafford better than Big Ben. Yes. Where's Big Ben? Sixth. <laughs> oh. I, I think Stafford's still in his prime. and Big Ben's not quite as, as good I as I don't he think is. he ever had a prime when it comes to, some, to, to Big Ben. So you're saying you got the ball, two minutes and 15 seconds left, down six. You want Stafford with the ball and not Big Ben. If Stafford has... Uh, you're back at... Oh, you're already back. If he has Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Le- Bell, sure. <laughs> so Big Ben has been a fraud. He's just been... I a- didn't say he's a fraud. I have a break six. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a fraud at all. I'm just saying I'm basing this on, on talent, and uh, I would take Stafford. Uh, Big Ben has better weapons. Ooh, what do you think of that, Brad? I would have Roethlisberger ahead of Stafford. Well, that's a that that is a, a well, very yeah. low key way to say that, Mackie. I'm on the same page with Steven here. I got Stafford one slot ahead of Big Ben. I'm not judging, right? I don't hit that. I don't play those sound <laughs> clips. <laughs> it's a it's an authority figure behind the curtain. Wow, what is that? Has Stafford ever won a playoff game? No, I, I just is that true? He never uh, has. I don't think so. No, I, I, I like his either. talent level. I think he's, uh, <laughs> well, you're you really are like a rotisserie guy. Do you ever worry that that? All joking aside, do you ever worry that that skews your thinking on like what really wins? No, I think it helps my handicap. No, I think it does in many yeah. ways. But a guy like Big Ben. Well, if this was RJ, if this was uh, maybe two years ago, I would take Ben. I just think Ben's a little older. Stafford has gotten better each year, and uh, Stafford has overtaken him. But we're not talking a large difference. I'm not saying Ben's middle of the pack. Ben is sixth. I happen to to side with with Stafford, put him at number five. Okay, close. Now you've got um, your favorite team is the Packers. And who's number one? Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay, okay. Um, no concerns about the second collarbone injury. There's always concerns the way he plays. He plays very reckless, and it caught up to him. And but, but here's the question: If he doesn't play reckless, he's not as good. True. Right. Right. Hmm. Are you worried about Breeze's age? He's uh, he's like Brady. Those two are ageless. Doesn't matter what their age is. Br- Breeze has never had a serious injury. Oh, but obviously it matters what their age is. 
right? Look at the level what's he over in five, in five seasons from today, what's the over-under passing yards combined for Brady and Brady? Well, they'll both be retired in exactly. five years. But so our age each matters. year, uh, you look at them and you say, hey, look, they're another year older. They still put up great numbers. They're still playing uh, great at quarterback. Uh, Breeze didn't put up the, the the great numbers that he does, uh, at least yardage-wise and touchdown-wise, because he had these, these great running backs now. But he's really a, a complete quarterback. He doesn't get hurt. He's, he's very smart. Uh, he's ageless. These guys, he and Brady, are they're freaks of nature. I think Brady more than Breeze. If you would have asked me before last year about Breeze, the consensus opinion was he's he was on a sharp, steep decline. You just got to wonder... If he's gone into quasi game manager mode and that he just he's good enough to look good as a glorified game manager. I would have to disagree, RJ. He's been putting up five thousand yards passing every, every you know, the last few years. Oh, no, I don't no, think I, his game has slipped. I agree uh, three, four years ago, but what I'm saying is did you I mean, entering last year, did you have any concerns about Breeze's age? Because I, I think the the running and and the way that the offense is more mixed really benefited Breeze last year. True, I've had questions about his age the last few years. Concerns, but he keeps <laughs> he stays healthy, keeps producing, so he's reached that stage at least with me. Or I don't worry about his age anymore. The same with Brady. Okay, let's go bottom five, but this time let's read up. So what would it be? Uh, Number one, the worst. Oh, so we're actually going to just do, we're not going to go to 32? My Probably my most Let's controversial to, worst, no, I just did the worst five. Uh, probably my most controversial worst ones are at number two and number five. So uh, right, so just read them to us. Okay, we could start at number one, who I consider the worst starting quarterback in the NFL is A.J. McCarron, who may hmm. not even start week one. Okay. Uh, number two and... Please stay in your seat, RJ. And uh, I have Joe Flacco number two. I, I just think his yards per pass, over it's just uh, minimal. He's he's not accurate. He can't run. He I, I just don't like him at all. I uh, have at number three Trubisky, uh, number four Eli Manning, and my fifth worst rated quarterback is uh, Andy Dalton. Oh, come on. Yeah, I knew you'd have. You Jeez. Know, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to get some uh, Brad and Mac are going to jump in here, too. They're not going to like that. So I mean, I, I, Dalton's, I mean, I you could make the case Dalton's like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL. You could, but I just hate the guy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's personal. That. Yeah. No, he just doesn't do anything. He needs weapons to produce. Is this, is this back to like like more fantasy crap? Uh, no, because I wouldn't have him on my fantasy team. He doesn't do anything, RJ. What What does he do? He has to have weapons around him. I know you're going to say, hey, you left out Bortles with your top five. But Bortles, you know, that game against the Steelers was one for the ages. Bortles at least has, has a running threat. He can make yeah, I'm not. Plays. I'm not anxious to put Bortles on some, any bottom five. Brad, get, get get the QBR from last year or, or quarterback rating. Well, it doesn't okay, matter. Then, then who would you put then instead well, of Dalton? Let's, let's take a gander. Let's real quick though. Let's talk about McCarron a little bit. Mackie, you've got some ideas. There was some news on Josh Allen. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. So report came out uh, that Josh Allen's certainly behind McCarron, and it's actually dropped to number three during the mini camp behind Josh Allen and behind Nathan Peterman. 
the guy we remember who was awful last year in that the game. The Peterman incident, as That's I right. call it. I <laughs> called right. it the Peterson incident for a couple weeks, and then it was Peterman. That's right. And we talked last week's pod, you know, Stephen had a good, what I believe is going to be a very strong bet, Buffalo under six and a half wins. And if we somehow get to see Josh Allen or Peterman on the field, if McCarron struggles in their front-loaded schedule, this team could really fall off in the back half. But here's the question. Does him dropping to three, is that bad for the under on the season wins? Because there's a chance they might just set him the whole year. Don't we want him playing? If you have under on the Bills, we want him playing or we want Peterman playing. I mean, I think is either it Peterson way, or Peterman? Peterman. Peterman. <laughs> All three. Inside no, joke. <laughs> so, yeah, AJ McCarron's a good example, I think, of. I remember when I was a Steeler fan, right? They say the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback. You know, it's like. And again, I'm Mark Malone. I, I've done uh, like five years of radio with him. I do every Friday on NBC National. Great guy. It wasn't Terry Bradshaw. So I'm like, what about this Bobby Brister? I remember there was a Monday <laughs> Bobby night game. Brister. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, not Bobby Brister. Then it's like, <laughs> who's next? So I, I think because there's not a lot of Andy Dalton love. But remember, this guy that Stephen Nover is saying is the 28th best quarterback Andy Dalton beat out AJ McCarron all these years. Not even like one game. Let's take a shot with the guy. So you got to be a little pessimistic about that. Is that a, that's not a compliment. I, I have McCarron's worse than Dalton. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Think right. about it. Yeah. Right. If, if you, so read me like the, some of the bottom guys here. Simeon. Um, oh, Simeon's Simeon. not a starter, though. I would, of course, rank Simeon who, who, in the bottom five if he were a starter for anymore. Case Keenum is there. Is Fair Denver enough. Starter. Go ahead. Um, Trubisky. All right. He He's his third. Right. Kaiser. <laughs> no, Kaiser's not the. You're talking about the Cleveland well, starting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor I got now. it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Go ahead. Jacoby Brissett. No, it's Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's true. Jay Cutler. No, he's that's retired. True. That's and you're going to Andy Dalton. And Brett Hundley. Joe Flacco. Okay. Eli Manning, uh-huh. Carson Palmer. Now you're reading in reverse order. Here. Reverse order. We're getting better now. Okay. Carson Palmer, Derek Carr, okay. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Josh McCown. Now what number are you at now? 17. All right. Uh, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. See, golf, especially you look at those third down stats, I'm down on golf. Go ahead. Well, you're, you're finding out that there's actually a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL. I was surprised how many good starters there are. All right, go ahead. Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, Philip Rivers. Now we enter the top 10. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Alex Smith, Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> making sure Ben Roethlisberger was ahead of Stafford. Just want to make sure you're listening, right? Okay. Okay. Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott. Wow. Four. Tom Brady, Case what, what? Where do you have Matt Ryan? Well, I have Matt, Matt Ryan in the top seven. So they have. Them. So wait, Big Ben's six, so he must be seven. Oh, okay, Brad, you're, you're saying, okay, they have uh, Ben ahead of Stafford. They also have, what, Carson Palmer? Oh, this is one slot. In, uh, this is one slot in, uh, yeah, in one, QBR. Wait, but Carson Palmer's way down. I read him early. But he's, he's not a starter anymore. Well, I know, no, but this he, is last year. He makes a good point, yeah. right? You're going to take your seven or eight worst quarterbacks, they're either retiring or not going to start. And now we're projecting. 
That's interesting. So All really, right. Dalton deserves his place as the bottom five. Uh, yeah, I'll say this. Of the guys that will start this year, at least right now, he's the only one worse right now as far as quarterback rating last year was Trubisky. Then it would be Dalton. Right. I have Dal- uh, Trubisky as the third worst. All right. Moving on. <laughs> interesting stuff. I like that Steven has an opinion. I mean, it's often wrong, but <laughs> but he has. I mean, he's he's willing to take a stand. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. We're going to do a best bat from Steve in a week one in a minute. You know, we were going to talk some pats. Let's hold that for next week. We got a little Patriots next week. But back to Josh Allen, I do think it's another example. If you believe, I mean, I think we all agree, even if McCarron's number 32 right now, if I bet the Bills under, or if I bet the Bills uh, against them in week 10, I want Josh Allen quarterbacking if I had to pick it now. So the more that Peterman or Allen quarterbacks, the more I think some of these second half of the NFL season game bets, you might want to be looking to fade the Bills. Handicapping again, who's going to be quarterbacking the Bills? All right, it's best bet time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. NFL best bet week one. This is the opening season, not preseason. Week one of the opening season. I'm looking at the Redskins at the Cardinals, and the total is 44 there. That's a key total number. I'm looking to go under in that total. Uh, Arizona new head coach, Steve Wilkes. It's the Steve Wilkes era. Very well-respected defensive coordinator from Carolina coming over. This is going to be his Cardinals debut and I got to think all during the offseason, he's preparing for this week one game against Washington's offense. Skins new quarterback, Alex Smith. I see that as a downgrade going from Smith, uh, going from Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith. Smith, a more conservative quarterback. Washington, uh, very weak uh, run defense. And Arizona is going to have David Johnson back. Whether he's going to be rusty or not, he missed practically the whole season last year remains to be seen. I don't expect him to play much during preseason. I do expect him, though, to be a bell cow to get a lot of carries in this game, which is going to eat clock. Washington, they're going to stack the defense to stop David Johnson. Safeties are going to play in. He's going to be looking at an eight, eight to ten man front practically. Who's Arizona's new quarterback? Likely Sam Bradford, a dink and dunker. I just don't see a lot of points in this, so I'm going to go under 44 in this week one matchup. So give the teams again. Uh, Washington at Arizona Cardinals. Under, under 44. 40. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, not a lot of. Like, like Mackie's waiting like he's going to judge it or something. He's grading it. <laughs> Go hey. ahead, Mac. Tell us no. what you think. No, I like it. I think I think Steven brings up some good points. And what I would add to it as well is that we have a serious uh, lack of explosion with these two offensive skill groups aside from the tailbacks. So defensively game planning each of these opposing offenses. Yeah, I think you're right. You stop the back. You you have very little else that can hurt you. I think Steve Wilkes really wants to win over to the Cardinal fans, and he's going to do it uh, with what he's done it before with defense. I think he's going to have a really solid defensive game plan here. And, and uh, yeah, you hit it too, Mackie. I just see a, a, not, a total lack of explosion with these two quarterbacks with these offenses. 
Could you imagine Mackie and Nova like at lunch, like at a Jewish deli eating pastrami, and we just had like mics there? I'd and, love and it. You, you would? Well, we have no. dinner every night. <laughs> every week after the podcast, we go and grab dinner. We could do this for you if you want. Yeah. You could mic us. and. Uh... <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that, we'll put that on the maybe one day list. <laughs> All right, guys. We got some baseball and, and some special baseball from Nova here. So, oh, I'm sorry. Check that from Astler. But Nova's a baseball guy, too. So we'll get good feedback. So we're going to start underrated, then go to overrated, then go to the difference between money line baseball handicapping and the spread handicapping football, et cetera. And then a free pick for Wednesday's action last. So if you're listening past Wednesday night, you can skip the free pick, but you'll want to hear the next couple. So let's start with the underrated team from Esler. And that would be the Philadelphia Phillies. And I know for the sort of casual fan, that may be difficult to accept because the press around the Phillies says the Phillies are just not any good. But in the last week, and remember, I I look at sort of moments in time here, only Colorado, Arizona, and Houston have scored more runs than the Phillies. Only Houston has hit more home runs than the Phillies. Phillies have won seven of nine. So they're, they're on the uptick. As I said earlier, they're also, they're tied with the Nationals. Go figure. And you look at their pitching, Aaron Nola, 2.55 ERA, Zach Eflin, 1.14 whip, Pavetta, 1.18 whip, and he's striking out 10.6 batters per nine inning. Vasquez, in spite of a bad outing against the Brewers, he's got a 1.20 whip and a 2.79 ERA on the road. I mean, that's, those are tough numbers to bet against. I would grant you that their bullpen is suspect at times. But when somebody like Jake Arrieta has your worst numbers, the guy's still got a season-long ERA of 3.30, and he's all but forgotten. They're six games over 500, and talk about value. They've been underdogs in 13 of the last 20, never more than minus 140. And as we're taping this, I, I, I see Velasquez is only minus 115 at home. So uh, going forward, they play Washington, and we, we just talked about Washington perhaps being overvalued. Then they play the Yankees at home, and that's an interesting series because everybody wants to play the Yankees, but do the Yankees really want to play the Phillies? I I don't know. And again, they're going to probably be prohibitive underdogs in all of those games, so three and three or whatever is probably going to make you money. So I think the Phillies are underrated right now. Okay, Esler says Phillies underrated. What do you think, Stephen? Dave always makes good points. I think uh, I love their starting pitching. That is very underrated. Definitely agree with Dave there. They've got a, a black hole though at third base. This Franco is just not stepping up. Uh, they have a promising outfielder, Nick Williams. He just broke his nose. He's going to be out a few games. The problem with the Phillies is Kapler, their manager. I, I don't know what this guy's thinking because their bullpen isn't that bad, but he doesn't. He misuses it. Brings in the wrong guys to close games. So Kapler is a major negative, but. Uh, Definitely agree with Dave about their starting pitching. I, I love it, and it, it is underrated. Some of those pitchers, uh, Pavetta, Eflin especially, these guys are underrated. Hmm. So do you maybe look to play them first five innings? Do you look to play them plus one and a half? I mean, if you if, – if, so your biggest concern with the Phillies is their managerial decisions? 
especially with the bullpen, RJ. So maybe going with them for the first five innings would be the way to go. Yeah, so you think they're weak, the, the Phillies' weak spot is the bullpen? Especially the way the manager uses it. They have some good arms in the bullpen, but he doesn't use it right. He's very unconventional, Kapler, and yeah. You never know who he's going to use for a closer, and it's often the wrong guy. Okay, next up, we've got overrated, overrated team from Esler. And, uh uh-oh, we got Steve Cofield storming storming the studio. This guy has never come to a dream preview pod, but somehow he's got a chat coming, right? So what do you think? He's right here. I mean, he would never miss that check. I mean, unbelievable. Jump, jump on the mic there, Steve. Give us a little free content. Would you talk? So for for you guys that don't know, it was $100, by he's the way. not he's not very well known. Yeah. Is uh, he is the co host co host of <laughs> Straight Out of Vegas Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. But he's a hot take, hot shot. What's happening? What'd you talk about today on the radio? We still don't have a liner with Colin mentioning my name. He, he refuses. What's the problem? He says who? He keeps saying who? <laughs> uh, we got a little loose today on the local show, so. What, what, what'd you talk about? Uh, some Kawhi rumors, uh, hockey trades, and we got into an interview with Judy Garland in 1967. Steven would have jumped right oh, in. I that. know, right? One of my all-time favorites. Judy I mean, he, he was talking about Napoleon, not Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are you going yeah. on your trip? You're going this. Where are you going? Uh, going to Mexico. Really? So I'm getting all my affairs in order. That's why I, I never rush over for the check. I'm like, let me get the money. Make sure the will is written out. Oregon's going to be harvested. Are you? It's all over. What if he finally <laughs> comes, he comes back out. and he's kind of limping and he's got like he's like, uh, yeah, my immune system's never going to be the same. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you got to do. All right, my man, all have fun. It, man. <laughs> all right. We got that out of the way. Let's get back to a little knowledge from Asler. And we've got his overrated team. And by the way, is after his overrated, I had a question for him. So he gives it. I have a question and then his response. Well, we're back after a break last week and my overrated team this week. And and we've used these guys before the Washington Nationals. In the last seven days, they've hit 241 with exactly two home runs. I used to call them the one-man team with their, their DL list, and that would have been Bryce Harper, obviously. Harper's hitting 212, so I'm not even sure they're a one-man team. And part of me wonders with all the talk about him going to wherever. I mean, the Yankees are about the only ones that can afford him. Um, you know, where his head's actually at. Strasburg is on the DL, and I just read just before we went on air that he hasn't even started throwing yet, so... He's nowhere near returning. Scherzer's last lot that lost his last two starts. He only allowed a couple of runs in each one. Bullpen let him down, but in each one of those, he was minus three hundred, minus two thirty. So you don't have to lose too many at those prices to uh, not be profitable. Geo last three starts: three runs, four runs, five runs. That's very ungeo like. Uh, the pen has overperformed, in my opinion, all season, and they just lost Brandon Kinsler. Now, I just read again before we went on air that they traded with the Royals for uh, Herrera, so that, that could be an uptick. Was Matt Adams is not 100%, and I was about to throw that out there when I just read again. He went on the DL with Kendrick, Weeders, and Zimmerman. 
you know, who they play in the next few games, we always talk about that. The Orioles, who have lost nine of ten, but Washington swept them in Baltimore three weeks ago. So Baltimore is going to be motivated, and Washington's going to be a prohibitive favorite, maybe too much. The Nationals are under 500 at home, 8-11 and 11 in one-run games. Then they've got the Phillies, and the Phillies, for all their sort of whateverness and, and bad PR, they're six games over 500, and they're actually tied with the Nationals. So I think the Nationals are overrated, and this goes to uh, not necessarily what they are as a team, but what you're going to have to pay to bet on the Nationals, and it's going to be too much. So, Dave, is this analysis on the Nationals in the broad strokes as simple as you've got a big-name team that's made the playoffs a bunch recently with a number of big-name players, but they're not playing so good, and there's injuries not just to the big names, but some injuries to some names that might not really move the needle with the casual baseball batter, but legitimately moves the needle for the wise guy like yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think that you're absolutely spot on. You know, everybody knows Harper and Strasburg and, and Max, but you know, somebody like Matt Wieters being out, that that you know, people would say, oh, whatever, it's Matt Wieters, he's hitting whatever. But Matt Wieters is a catcher. The catcher catches the pitcher. Catcher calls the game. Now these pitchers get familiar with catchers. That's why when I wait for lineups, you know, who's ever catching, that, that's, that's a big deal. So just having him out, maybe it takes away a stick, maybe it doesn't. But I, I think it throws the pitchers off in the long run. Uh, and, of course, Brandon Kinsler goes down. Not a big deal. They pick up Herrera, maybe. But, yeah, that's a missing piece that, you know, the casual better might not pay a whole lot of attention to. And I happen to think it's a fairly big deal. So, yeah, you're right on. That's Dave Esler, overrated Washington. Thoughts, Mr. Nover? Well, the Braves uh, pretty much exposed the Nationals, uh, living up to what, what David said. The, the Nationals' problem, as it has been all season, is injuries. Uh, right now, uh, uh, Zimmerman out, uh, Weeders out, Matt Adams was just put on the DL. They get Daniel Murphy back, but he's very rusty, and I just don't know uh, how his knee is, is going to fare. So I would look when they get these guys back, they actually could be a, a play on team. But right now, stay away from them while they're going through all these injuries. And Gio Gonzalez, regression was due for him. He was pitching way over his head. I mean, he's a solid pitcher, but he was just pitching at an elite level. So I'm not surprised by that. But um, I would look to play on the Nationals uh, later on, uh, maybe in um, later in July or August when these guys start uh, coming back. Because right now, they're just still... Since the beginning of the season, though, they're just loaded with injuries. Okay, guys, a little bonus topic here is the number one difference between baseball batting. And listen, it's June. And by the way, I start, I, I put a contest up at pregame.com against RJ. Play against RJ. It's you pick baseball between now and the All-Star break. So it's a short-term contest. You got a lot of people participating I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I did start off undefeated on day one. I mean, it could be random. Who knows? <laughs> and, but you can compete and win, beat me. Just go to pregame.com, click contest. It's free to join. And guys, little teaser. First time I'll tell you, we're going to be giving away tens of thousands of dollars of cash, not $10 like Steven, tens of thousands of dollars this football season. So, Get used to the contest now because it's going to be a huge opportunity come football season. Check that out. 
And here comes a little baseball insight from Esler. And a lot of people say, well, how, how do you win at baseball? How do you, how do you stay on top of all these things? And that's just it. Staying on top of them in baseball, it's night after night. It's 24 hours, another game, 24 hours, another game. And in football, you have a week. You know, in football, you, know, you can look at, at who the Steelers might play in week eight and, and have a reasonably good idea that that could either be a trap game or a revenge game from last year. And you just can't do that in baseball. And in football, you say week eight, well, if everything sort of falls like it's going to in week eight, I'm, I'm betting on or against Pittsburgh. And in baseball, you just can't do that. Things happen so fast. But I, I just sat here sort of while we were prepping to do this, and you know, things come across my desk that, that you know, Jay Brooks has just been put on the DL. Okay, well, yeah, that's a big deal. Manny Machado, they're talking about sending him to Arizona. Brandon Morrow's not going to pitch in the second game of the doubleheader uh, this afternoon. You know, Strasburg hasn't resumed throwing. Kermeyer has been put back in the lineup for the Rays. And these are all things that are happening, you know, an hour and a half before the game. And, you know, in football, yeah, you can wait till the inactors, but you almost kind of know who they are anyway. So for me, it's, it, it, you know, how do you win at baseball? Yeah, it's more work because it's every single day, you know, 12 hours a day. I mean, things are happening. And, and, and I think that the other thing that really is, is interesting to me is Wednesday night's game will have an immediate impact on Thursday's game. If it's a day game, a getaway game, lineups. Whereas football, you know, a Sunday game, one way or the other is not going to have the impact the following Sunday that, you know, a tough loss or a tough or a good win would have for a baseball team. So I think there's just way more moving parts and they move a whole lot faster in baseball than football. So football, obviously a weekly sport, NBA, college basketball, hockey, and baseball, a daily sport. Now, the difference to me, it seems, between, let's say, the NBA or college basketball, which is every day, and baseball, is some of the late-breaking information that does affect a handicap to the point that it's difficult to bet the game if you don't have that information. Well, I think the main one is lineups, obviously, and and you know the lineups come out about you know usually two hours before the game. You know, as we're sitting here, I'm looking at the screen, and Javi Baez is batting second for the Cubs against the Dodgers in, in Game Two on Tuesday night. You know, that was fairly unexpected. I haven't had time to look at it because we've been talking, but that's like incredibly important. And as we talked a little bit ago, you know, Brandon Morrow uh, is not going to be on the pitch for the Cubs. And those are things that I think, unless you're on top of it or, you know, following Roto World Baseball on Twitter, uh, you're going to assume Baez isn't playing. You're going to assume Kinsler is pitching or Morrow is pitching, excuse me. And, and yes, lineups in the catcher, you know, Cardinals always come to mind. You know, when you, when Yadier Molina isn't, isn't catching, that's a huge deal. Back to something we talked about earlier to where, you know, it's not, it's not Yachty's stick as much as it is why he does both defensively and with the pitchers. So those are the first things that come to my mind as to these are sort of late-breaking things that, that will probably have an effect on the game and just determining how much and how relevant it is before we go ahead and make a bet is that's my job. That's Dave Essler, first in a series of differences with baseball and the spread sports. We're going to have finally a free pick for Wednesday. We'll also get Mr. Nover's opinion on that free pick. Here we go. Wednesday baseball free pick 
Dave Essler, by the way, you can follow Dave on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R, Dave underscore Essler. Give him a try. A lot of good information. My Wednesday free pick, and, and I would be doing us all a disservice if I didn't take the Phillies over the Cardinals, since I just said I think the Phillies are seriously underrated. And tomorrow, they've got the overlooked and sort of bad press Jake Arrieta on the mound. Remember, the guy's got a 3.30 ERA this season. And one of the angles I love to use is, is revenge for, for pitchers especially. And Arietta's shortest outing of the year was May 18th against the Cardinals in St. Louis. And clearly, especially someone like Arietta, who's a veteran, he remembers that. So you would think he's going to bring his A game. And they're at home. At home, his ERA this season is 1.69. He's holding batters to a 186 batting average against. You know, the guy's getting this bad press. He's only allowed five jacks in 73 innings. And the Phillies at home are 23 and 12. That's 66%. That'd be a 107-game win season, just to put that in perspective. They're facing Waka during that series back in May. Waka beat the Phillies. So there's the Phillies. They didn't forget that. It wasn't that long ago. You know, Waka has always been a pitcher that I, I love at home and hate on the road. Yeah, he was crushed by the Cubs last week, and, and people are going to be a little bit down on him. But he was hit pretty hard at Cincinnati the week before that. And what did surprise me was I went through the list of, of teams Walker's pitched against, and right behind the Cubs, the Phillies have the next highest batting average against them at 287. And at Citizens Bank Park, which is where this game is, Walker's thrown nine innings the last three years, 17 hits, 10 earned runs. And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know, but I know those Phillies teams were probably lesser teams than this one. Phillies pen is much better at home, almost two earned runs better per game. Cardinals bullpen is one of the worst save percentages in baseball. They're 26 out of 30 teams with a whip of 1.60 on the road. So I, I think that's a really cheap price for Arietta at home on Wednesday. Thoughts? I like it. Uh, Arietta had just been pitching super this season until his last two starts. I think it's just a bump in the road. I think he does come back. Dave could have mentioned when you're talking about the most overrated team, he mentioned the Nationals, but you could also come up with the Cardinals. Uh, They've been very disappointing this year. Uh, uh, Fowler, Wong, these guys are just having terrible seasons. Bam is having a down year compared to what he did last year. I don't think he's 100%. Gorko isn't hitting the homers like he did last year. So I could definitely see a, a fade on the Cardinals here. All right. Thank you, Stephen Nover, Brad Powers, Maggie, and guys, got some announcements coming up for football. Follow me on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And we'll be back next week and all through the summer. It's going to be every Wednesday a.m. You'll get the dream preview. We'll have some bonus pods, too. But subscribe and you won't miss anything. And next week, Fezzik's back. We'll continue on college football, NFL, baseball, all that good stuff. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.